You are listening to the Revolutionary Force in Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com. I am your host, the webmaster, Wade Needham, and we have a great lineup here on the Ring Scoops podcast for you. We're trying to get back to the basics, make this the best professional wrestling variety show that we possibly can offer to everybody out there. A little something for everybody, too. A little analysis. We got some news. We got some opinions. We've got retro. Retro's back this week. We're going to take a look back in 2004 at a match on Velocity. Because now Velocity is available on the WWE Network. And we're going to do that. We're going to talk about a lot of things here tonight. Big news this week going on. Uh, probably the one of the biggest things going on in the world of professional wrestling is the lawsuit with Joey Ryan. And I'll get into that. And I'll get my thoughts. i give some details. And i get my thoughts on that a little later on tonight. Um, but let's start off somewhat in chronological order, shall we? Well, this past Sunday, WWE had a pay-per-view, and it was aura special on the WWE Network, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's the, hey, come on. They're the same thing. They're the same thing, right? You're paying to view it. Clash. Clash of champions. Hashtag WWE Clash. The Clash of the Champions. Not Clash of the Titans. Not Knight of Champions, but the Clash of Champions, or just Clash of Champions. And the tagline of Gold Rush, brought to you by Battleground, 2K Battlegrounds and Hyundai. Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai. <laughs> just driving around down in my automobile. So, Clash of Champions took place this last week, September 27th. Um, I thought it had a pretty decent card to it. It had a pretty decent build to it. It was very nice. You had, we had nine, no, eight matches total. Uh, some of the matches uh, that were advertised didn't take place, like the Women's Tag Team Championship. And then the, the SmackDown Women's Championship match was changed on the fly. But just real quick, let me uh, tell the results and I'll give my quick thoughts on that. Um, on the pre-show, we had Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championship against Kalisto and Lince Dorado with Grand Metalik in their corner. And victorious were the Tag Team Champions, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, retaining the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Uh, the actual show, Clash of Champions, started off with the Intercontinental Championship Triple Threat Ladder Match. Jeff Hardy, the champion, defending against AJ Styles and the self-proclaimed Intercontinental Champion, Sami Zayn. In this match, I'll get to my thoughts in a little bit. I'll just quickly run down the results. Uh, Raw Women's Championship match. Zelina Vega challenged Asuka, but it was Asuka that won the match. I forgot the result of the Intercontinental ladder match. Sami Zayn, new Intercontinental Champion, or in his mind, still Intercontinental Champion. Uh, okay, moving along now. The United States Championship match. Apollo uh, Crews went up against Bobby Lashley, the champion, and Bobby Lashley successfully retained the championship. The Raw Tag Team Championship. The Street Profits successfully retained their gold against Andrade and Angel Garza. And the SmackDown Women's Championship match was supposed to be Bailey defending against Nikki Cross, but unfortunately, Nikki Cross not able to compete. Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion, came out in a very short matchup. Asuka defeated Bailey by disqualification, which means that Bailey still holds on to the SmackDown Women's Championship. Sasha Banks interfered, by the way. She got in there. Um, up next was the ambulance match for the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre successfully defended his title against the Viper, Randy Orton. And the main event, singles match for the Universal Championship. Jay Uso challenged the Tribal Chief himself, 
with Paul Heyman in his corner, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns successfully defended that championship. And this was the second to longest match on the card, by the way, with the Intercontinental title match being the longest, the ambulance match being the third longest. All of those were over 20 minutes. Every other match that took place, with the exception of the pre-show match, took was under 10 minutes. And that pre-show match was 10 minutes, 45 seconds. So let's just throw that in there with the whole 10 minutes or under thing. We'll round down on that one. The shortest match of the night, though, was Asuka versus Bailey. That was 3 minutes, 45 seconds, ended in a disqualification. Now, my thoughts on this card. I'm just going to talk about what stuck out in my mind. Um, that Intercontinental Championship ladder match with those three guys, Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles, one of the most creative finishes that I've ever seen in my life with a ladder match. Sami Zayn using the handcuffs through Jeff Hardy's um, ear. His ear piercing. The hole in his ear. Handcuffed his ear to the ladder. Okay? That was crazy. Sami Zayn, victorious. These guys took crazy bumps. They told a really good story. It was a hell of a match. It was a very competitive match. Sami Zayn showed that he will just be as ruthless as he possibly can because he just loves the Intercontinental Championship that much. He values it that much. And, and rightfully so. The Intercontinental Championship, the legacy to it, right? The heritage of the Intercontinental Championship is so rich. It's the deep history of it. It's a very important championship. Sami Zayn is champion. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I thought Asuka and Zelina Vega, I thought that was a really entertaining match. I thought it was really good. Same with Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews. Um, I didn't care too much for the Street Profits and Andrade and Garza. Um, it just didn't seem like anything different than what they have done in the last four or five months. You know, it was just, it was their usual match. So I, I couldn't, you know, sorry, like, it's nothing against the guys. It's just with that, what they did, it was just, we've seen it. Um, Asuka and Bailey was what it was supposed to be, you know, considering the circumstances, right? With the replacing um, Nikki Cross and whatnot. Um, I thought it was pretty cool seeing Asuka come out. I, I thought she was going to get the belt. So congratulations on the WWE for making me think that Bailey was done for. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. I liked the ambulance match. Eh, not so much with the finish, but you know, I'll live. Shit. It's not going to affect my daily life. I've, I, I see that on Twitter a lot. At Facebook and whatnot. You know, some of these people, when they complain about their favorites losing, they act like somebody walked in their house and shot their fucking dog. Like, come on, guys. They're fictional characters on television. My guy, Randy Orton, didn't win the match. I, I'm not kicking the, my fucking shoe through my TV. You know what I mean? I'm not picking up everything in my room and throwing it around. I'm not, I'm not taking a fucking saw to my championship belts, you know, the replica title belts that I have. So what? Randy Orton didn't win. I wanted him to win. I, I don't agree with Drew McIntyre winning this match, but I mean, fuck, I'll live. God damn. There's a lot more problems in the world, especially this last Tuesday night. Um, but the match that really sank in for me, because I'll tell you this, from top to bottom, open up the show with a tremendous Intercontinental Championship ladder match. Go out of your way to watch that ladder match. You know what I mean? Definitely go out of your way to watch that. You started off really strong with that. You ended even stronger with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. The storytelling in that match was untouchable. It was amazing. Roman Reigns in the last 30 days is light years ahead of what he has done combined in the last eight years, in my opinion. He came back, aligned himself with Paul Heyman, won the Intercontinental Cha or the Universal Championship. He's the tribal chief, foreseen. Jimmy Uso to say he's the tribal chief as Jimmy Uso was the one that came in technical knockout, right? Uh, you know, they say that he threw the towel in for his brother, for his twin brother. Jay didn't want him to, but Jimmy came out. Jimmy threw in the, the, the towel. Roman Reigns 
is the tribal chief. Roman Reigns not only holding up that universal championship and victory, but presented with a lay. Presented with honor for Paul Heyman and whatnot. Just everything about it. Roman Reigns, I hope he does that with everybody, not just the Usos. I hope in every Roman's Reign match that Roman wants his opponent to say he's the tribal chief because he's not just the tribal chief of the family. He should be the tribal chief of SmackDown, but not just SmackDown. Once he's done making everybody declare him the tribal chief of of SmackDown, he's got to move on. He's got to be the tribal chief of the WWE. That right there, man. That's how you set up Roman Reigns versus The Rock. WrestleMania in LA next year, which I'm hoping that it actually takes place in LA in front of a full crowd. I'm going to do my best to get tickets to that event. I don't, I don't give a shit. I will go to that. I, would, I want to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns. I will pay good fucking money to go see that goddamn match. That's what I'm talking about right there, guys. Right there. It's fucking Roman Reigns and The Rock. That's where this is going. And they starting real early getting that built up. And that's definitely a Bruce Pritchard thing right there. Bruce Pritchard is old school that way. And if Paul Heyman has any kind of direction in this, he's old school that way too. This is just some really good programming. SmackDown, I'll tell you this, SmackDown the last 30 days has caught my eye so much that I look forward to SmackDown more than I look forward to Raw. Two weeks in a row. Last week on SmackDown, I was part of the Thunderdome for the second hour. I got in so early this week. This coming Friday, my call time is an hour before SmackDown goes on the air. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know why they did that. But I got a 7 p.m. Eastern call time for the Thunderdome of SmackDown. Two weeks in a row, I'm going to be part of the Thunderdome. I'm looking forward to this, man. SmackDown's on fire with all the characters on there, especially Roman Reigns. I love what they're doing with Alexa Bliss, too. All right, moving on real quick before we uh, before we take a break. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Just real quick. We have got NXT TakeOver 31 taking place October 4th. That's a Sunday, right? Yeah, this Sunday on the WWE Network. TakeOver 31, man. We've got five matches on the card. I'm going to I'm going to list them now and I'm going to get my 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 quick predictions. I'm not going to go too in I'm not going to go in depth. Just going to list the card and go for it. So we've got a Cruiserweight Championship match. Santos Santos Escobar versus uh Swerve Scott, right? I'm going to go with Escobar on this one. Actually no, I just change it. I'm going to go with Scott. Uh dude deserves it. He's got a lot of momentum going on behind him there. He deserves it. I'm going to go with uh, with Swerve on that. Uh, we got uh, Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. I'm going with Kushida on this one. Moving on. We've got ourselves Damian Priest, the North American champion, defending against Johnny Gargano. I uh, don't think it's time for Damian Priest to put that title down. Uh, Gargano is at this point in his NXT run that he could take a loss and not lose steam. And when he takes a loss, whoever beats him is elevated all in the same process. I mean, that's how well they've done with Johnny Gargano in NXT. So, obviously, Damian Priest, uh, I'm hoping to win this one. So, that's my prediction for that. Uh, we got ourselves the uh, women's championship match. Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Dude, I've been a fan of Candice's work since about 2004. Ever since uh, I first saw her out here in SoCal. Wrestling for Jesse Hernandez's Empire Wrestling Federation. Had the honor and privilege to meet Candice LeRae on several uh, several uh, occasions at the School of Hard Knocks and working EWF. Actually got to call a couple of Candice's matches. Uh, very nice woman. Um, talented in the ring. She's got the it factor. I could say the same about Io Shirai where she's got, she's got the look. She has the emotion behind everything she does. She knows what to do in the ring. She knows how to tell stories. She knows how to do moves. She's the it factor. 
these two women are going to tear it down. And there, are, there is history between these two. Remember, when EO turned heel last summer, Candace was in the mix of the whole thing. They had a, you know, they had a little run with each other. So it's kind of cool that they're revisiting this a little over a year ago, or a year later. It's not beaten down, you know, like a dead horse, like the whole Street Profits on Dry Garza thing is. Um, but it, it's going to be a really good match. If I had to pick a winner, I would love to see Candice LeRae capture that belt, but I think EO needs a little bit longer of a title run. Hopefully this isn't going to be a one-off. I'm hoping this leads into maybe a, a, a three-match series where by the end of the year, Candice grabs the championship. Maybe it runs all the way to WrestleMania to that NXT uh, takeover event. Um, then we got the NXT championship match. Uh, by the way, I'm going with Io Shirai on that one. I would love to see Candice get it, but I think Io should get it. Uh, the, cha- uh, the NXT championship match, Finn Balor defends against Kyle O'Reilly. And this is going to be an interesting matchup here because Kyle O'Reilly, for the first time, is being popped into this big main spot in NXT. It's in a world championship match, the NXT championship against Finn Balor. High-profile match. Can he deliver? Oh, I know he can deliver in the ring. This is going to be really cool. Some fresh faces in the main event scene for first time in a long time here at NXT. Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly. This is going to be a hell of a match. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I, I, I'm neck and neck right now. I don't know which match I'm looking forward to the most. Is it going to be this match, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, or is it going to be Io Shirai and Candice LeRae? They're both equal in my opinion. They really are. They're they're going to be they're going to be great. They're going to be phenomenal. It's going to be superb freaking matches. I think this is going to be a very solid card for NXT Takeover this Sunday on the WWE Network. It's just going to be it's just going to be off the hook. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on on the Ring Seems Podcast. I am the webmaster Wade Needham. And you are listening to the Ring Seems Podcast right here on ringsoups.com. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the Ring Scoops Podcast. Webmaster Way joined with Kat. What's going on, Kat? Not much. Just some fucking insanity. Oh, I can't even speak today. It's been such a long day. <laughs> insanity from the IWC community. And, you know, it's I guess that's, that's just any day for us, right? With the IWC and especially on Twitter and social media. Yeah, some of them just need to learn to shut their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what what Kat's referring to is uh, this week uh, during Monday Night Raw, Alexa Bliss had put a tweet out, um, and she has since deleted the tweet. But we have uh, the official wording of the tweet, and it says, "Quote: Honestly, I don't blame him. LOL. Hashtag shoot your shot, bud." End quote. And uh, that was a uh, in reference to Murphy and Aaliyah. Uh, Rey Mysterio's daughter. I, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, but the Seth Rollins had revealed the text messages and storyline, all that good stuff. And Alexa Bliss, uh, well, I like Mike Tyson over Alexa Bliss. Um, <laughs> Alexa Bliss has received a lot of backlash from fans about this, and uh, honestly, I didn't even know about it until you'd pointed it out, and I started seeing some of the responses, and it's just to me, it's ridiculous. It, it is absolutely ridiculous, and literally, she even told people to shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, because she's just like, first of all, and literally, they're like, how can you condone your ex doing this, and blah, 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 blah. She goes, first of all, my boyfriend is 38. I'm 29. 
I'm like, I don't see why people are making it a big deal that Aaliyah's 19 and Murphy's 32. I'm sorry. I've seen worse. Oh, oh yeah. There, there's <laughs> definitely been worse. It, it, the 19, and I, I saw somebody tweet out in response to this saying her age being 19 with the word teen being capitalized. And it's just funny to me because 18 is where people are legally an adult. It's age of consent, whatnot. 19, mm-hmm. I mean, does it, does it really make that much of a difference between, no, say, 19 and 20? It's better than, you know, Doug Hutchinson who married a 16-year-old girl I at don't, 52. Well, yeah, I don't know who that is, but, it's. I mean, I get the point. He, he, he's an actor that was in uh, the movie Green Mile. Okay. Well, I mean, look at um, what's his name? Uh, Woody Allen. That whole situation, that that's just completely oh, yeah. wrong right there, too. I mean, on more than just the age difference, but because of the fact that that was his freaking stepdaughter. But um, this thing with Alexa Bliss, I saw that somebody had uh, made a comment on there telling one of the guys to relax, said it's a storyline, dude, get a life or find a hobby. And Alexa had retweeted it. By saying, quote, absolutely, I agree I should be held uh, responsible for storylines. My ex-boyfriend receives at work. Anything else I can help take care of as well, end quote. Obviously being sarcastic in that reply, but it's a storyline. To my knowledge, these two aren't legitimately hooking up. And even if they were, they're both adults. Exactly. Aaliyah actually, if people go and pay attention to Aaliyah's like Instagram and social media. Aaliyah has a boyfriend. Murphy has the girlfriend. Him and Alexa are no longer together. Hell, they actually just finally moved out of their house that they shared together. Yeah. They were still living together up until a month ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, because they owned a house together. Yeah, I can see where that would be tricky. You know, and so... Well, I mean, they've. They, it seems like they've handled their breakup and remained friends ever since, and in such a mature exactly. and professional manner compared to a lot of other people. Oh yeah. Well, she even said says she goes, "That's my friend." Yeah. She goes, "I'm going." She goes, "You know, that's the whole thing of why I pointed it out to you was because she's like, first of all, I said that because oh my god, I'm not allowed to tell my ex that I'm proud of him for finally getting a shot." At a major storyline that he deserves. Yeah. Somebody that, by the way, people, you tend to forget, if it wasn't for Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, there would have been no Alexa Bliss. Oh, I, that, that could be argued, but that's not the point. That's not the issue at hand. But um, but they, help, they helped push her into the heel that people started to notice. Well, I mean, she was definitely the breakout character of, of, of the, the oh, whole yeah. group. But, I mean, like I said, that's not the issue at hand. The issue more is what Alexa said, the backlash surrounding what she had said. Um, I think it's dumb. I think so as well. You know, uh, here's another tweet from Alexa Bliss. It has not been deleted yet. Um, quote, do I know her or her age? No. I was trying to be supportive of Murphy. Yes. Back off and calm down, people. Just happy Murphy's getting the success he's worked for. That's all. Be bothered by something else. End quote. As you pointed out, you know, you had summarized what she had said. That's the official tweet mm-hmm. there. And I totally agree with her. Whether she even knew her age or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, these are these are freaking, um, they're characters on television. Exactly. Do, do people get upset if they see the same thing in movies? That's my biggest question right there. And if they don't get upset by it, then what's the fucking difference? Exactly. You know, it's like, it's to me, it's the funniest thing is, you know, I think you actually retweeted it with someone literally sat there and said, they demand things from the Attitude Era. So Vince gives them a little taste. The Attitude Era. And they bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all realize that was something from the Attitude Era? I mean, let, let's face facts. How how old was Vince compared to all those divas that he was hooking up with? Yeah. <laughs> y- y'all are dumb as shit. Yeah, I just, I don't, I honestly don't get the outrage. And it just, it seemed like it was a massive outrage. I, I believe to the point that Alexa had um, locked her Twitter account for a short while. 
Yes. I don't know if it's, I mean, because I'm following her, so I don't know if it's uh, currently locked or not. I don't see a lock icon on anything, so she may have unlocked it. But, um, you know, it kind of reminds me, and I, I know what I'm about to bring up, I know I know your, your personal feelings about the app TikTok and everything, but aside yes. from that, um, it's some, something similar to what I've seen in the last 24 hours on TikTok with this uh, content provider on there where she does a lot of cosplay as characters, but she does them in, in a very sensual and sexualized tone. And I guess she had done a cosplay recently of a character. The, it's a, I guess it's a cartoon character. I'm not familiar with it. It's, it's a character named Gwen, but I guess the age of the character was 10 years old, but obviously this girl that's doing it, she's above 18 years old. She's on Pornhub. I'm not going to lie. I've seen her videos. I'm, I'm a fan of her work. Um, but there's a... I was about a, to say, is it Jessica Negri? <laughs> no, um, I think her name is... I can't remember her name. It's like Indigo White or something like that. But Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, but she does a lot of cosplays. And she, you know, obviously mm-hmm. she does a more... You know, it's it's more appropriate stuff for the TikTok app as opposed to what she what you see on what they call the orange YouTube porn hub. But right. you know, she's got a lot of backlash about that because they're saying that she's sexualizing a character that is a minor, and I can see both sides of it. Obviously, I mean, shit, if you know the ten, especially being a you know the character age of ten years old, that's just ridiculous to do. But at the same time, she, her defense. She's saying that she is doing this as a character, bringing the age up to what her real age is in reality and doing the character based off of that. And I can see that argument, but I think it's the same. I can see both sides. Yeah, I can see the same thing being applied here. These are two characters. But the thing is about this, Leah is not 10 years old. She's not 15 years old. She's not 16 or even 17. Hell, she's not even at that very fine line of like the day after her 18th birthday. She's 19. She's almost 20. Exactly. And, you know, out here in California, a long time ago, I I shouldn't say a long time ago. I mean, it was within like the last 20 years. That's, I guess that's a long time, but 18, you can, you can gamble in, in, um, in Native American casinos at the age of 18. Yes. When I turned 18, I was able to go gamble. I think it was a yep. year or two after that, you know, that they changed it to 21. You can vote when you're 18 years old. If you can mm-hmm. vote for the future of the country that you live in, you should be able to choose who the who you fuck or not. You know, literally we're telling high school seniors to register to vote because some of them are now hitting the age of 18. Yeah, y'all are bitching about a 19-year-old. Yeah. A character. Two characters going at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just... To further a storyline. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't watch soap operas, but I can't imagine that there has not been a soap opera since the beginning of soap operas where something like this hasn't happened. It has. I, I'll take your word for it. I've seen a couple. Yeah. So, I mean, do people complain and bitch about that? Probably not. I mean, there might have been nope. like a small fanfare of it, but Jesus Christ, Alexa Bliss, she really she really got hammered down. People are dumb. You know, it's like a, why I told you like I wanted to talk about this because it was like I literally just went, the stupidity of this shit. Yeah. Of all things to bitch about, we're bitching this. Yeah. I hate people. It, it, it just, it, it makes, it makes absolutely no sense to me. It really doesn't. It just tells me the IWC community is just as dumb as Joey Ryan. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah well, uh, we'll get to Joey Ryan a little <laughs> later on. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ring Scoops podcast. On behalf of Cat, I am the Webmaster Wade Needham saying, stay tuned.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the Ring Scoops podcast. I'm the webmaster, Wade Needham, and wow, what a week. What a week it has been in the world of professional. I know I say it a lot. I, I say it maybe too many times. What a week it has been in the world of professional wrestling, but it really has been a heck of a week in the world of professional wrestling. And um, man, so a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Stuff with Alexa Bliss, Joey Ryan. We'll get into Joey Ryan lawsuit in a little bit. Clash of Champions, NXT Takeovers coming up, um, Impact Wrestling. They've got some stuff going on. Just a lot of, a lot of really good stuff there going on in the world of professional wrestling. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. That's for damn sure. Um, one thing that I like to do, and I haven't done this in a while. And that is a retro. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, earlier this year I had a whole separate podcast dedicated to just doing the retro stuff. And um, then it became a segment here on the Ring Scoops podcast that kind of consolidated a lot of things into one show, making it a little easy uh, to produce and doing it, you know, trying to do it one time a week. Kind of got a little hectic over the summer, uh, kind of split into like doing like two shows a week again. Um, I like to maintain doing one show, have everything all in one. And so that's what, that's the goal here on the ring scoops podcast is to be a variety show to give everybody a little taste of something, uh, for the retro aspect of things. I used to do reviews of whole events and then I transitioned to just picking one match out of an event and doing somewhat of a watch along with it. Even though this is audio, we're not actually watching this together unless you want to watch it together. Um, I'll take a match that's before 2010, tell you where I'm watching it in case you want to watch it with me. I'll tell you the timestamp that I'm in, and I'll do a countdown. Three, two, one, play. When I say play, we hit play. Uh, for this match here that I want to do, it is a match from WWE Velocity. I'm watching this on the WWE Network because they just recently added Velocity matches. Or not matches, but like you know events, shows, right? Uh, previous broadcasts and whatnot. And uh, there's this particular one that I thought was very interesting that it was from May 1st, 2004. And here's here are the four matches that are on this episode of Velocity. It's uh, John Cena versus Akio, Mark Jindrag versus Shannon Moore, Jamie Noble versus Rey Mysterio, and Fanaki versus John Bradshaw Layfield. And mind you, like I said, this is May 1st, 2004. So this is this is during John Cena's big rise to the top, right? Um, Jamie Noble and Rey Mysterio putting on phenomenal matches. Mark Jindrag at the time looked like maybe he'd have a good career going on. Same with Shannon Moore. But they put on some good matches. Funaki, of course. Funaki's Funaki. I don't have to say anything more about that. But John Bradshaw Layfield, this is maybe two months, three, if that, right? After his uh, repackaging from just being Bradshaw to JBL. And so this is like his big rise. I mean, he's on the verge of winning the WWE Championship from Eddie Guerrero. So I, I wanted to, to, to take this match here, Fanaki versus JBL. Because JBL, the character, was, was so new at the time. This isn't that long of a match either. It's... I don't know, I think it's about maybe five, six minutes long. So it's something that we could jump in real quick, jump right back out. It's nothing too long, but a nice little take back to 2004, because I think 2004 was a very interesting year for the WWE. Um, I think we can compare 2020, maybe even 2019, at least the second half of it, to 2004, where it's, it's starting to get past the, the hump of the rebuild phase where they were building new superstars, uh, people that had debuted in, in 2002 and 2003 that are finally coming into their own in 2004. I feel like the same thing could be said for a lot of the guys in, in 2020, a lot of the gals in 2020 as well here in the WWE, where they've uh, either have returned to the company or they've been called up from NXT or just made a straight jump and just debuted. Uh, in the last, you know, two years or so. And they're getting their their up compens if, if that I don't even know if I pronounced that right 
Uh, but you know what I mean, right? They're getting their, their push. But anyway, without further ado, this is on the WWE Network. It's an episode of Velocity, May 1st, 2004. I'm time-stamped at 32 minutes, 49 seconds. 32 minutes, 49 seconds. And it's JBL versus Funaki. And I'm going to say three, two, one, play. When I say the word play, that's when we will actually hit play. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. We see Funaki on his way out to the ring right now. I hope, uh, hope JBL has his big entrance. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was coming out to the ring in the in the limo yet at this time. I can't remember. It's been a while. Usually when I go back and watch a lot of the older events, with the exception of in the 90s, I'll watch those like Raws and some of the Smackdowns, even though it's only a limited supply of Smackdowns since it debuted towards the end of 99, but you know what I'm saying, right? I'll watch some of those. But it's been a long time since I've seen like Raw, Smackdown, Heat, Velocity from this era. And I think he might be coming out in the limo. There it is. With the, with the horns. Yep, they made the room there. Coming out through the stage, too, and not even the side. I remember when uh, JBL had started this gimmick. And there was so many people comparing him to the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Hell, I might have even done it, too. But what a... What a difference that JBL's character was from the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I may have made the connection back then. Don't know. I, I'd have to listen back to some of the old World Wrestling Radios that we did back then. Which, by the way, World Wrestling Radio, that's... If you guys want the real World Wrestling Radio, that's Webmaster Wade right there, man. That's that's my stuff. Going all the way back to 2002. Uh, except no imitations. But we might have made the, the, the connection uh, on that program. JBL was was more like uh, JR from the show Dallas than he was the Million Dollar Man. I think people made the comparison to the Million Dollar Man just because when he cut his promos, he talked about making money in the stock market. And, of course, everybody immediately says, oh, money, Million Dollar Man. Um, it's just funny how people do that, you know. It's like the comparisons between, you know, AEW's Private Party and, and Monday Night Raw's uh, Street Profits. You know, there are a lot of visual similarities, but they are different gimmicks and different styles. Like, JBL's just hammering down on Fanaki. This is like watching David versus Goliath. What a boot. Man. Fanaki went to the JBL buffet and had a big plate of boot. He's got him in the corner. Knife edge chopped there by the big man. Well, by another boot to the face. This is just a squash. But it's just fun to watch. I mean, this is two years into Velocity being on the air. You got I know JBL wasn't the main guy at the time, but he was on his way. John Cena was on his way, too. So it's interesting to watch. Ten months. All right, maybe 11. 11 months before... JBL and John Cena wrestled for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. The both these guys are in velocity. One opened up the show and one is main event in the show. And the one that opened up the show is the guy that won the title at WrestleMania the, the year the following year. That's how fast they were able to build guys like JBL and John Cena. And if they really wanted, they could do that with guys now. I think the best comparison to that would be what they've done with Drew McIntyre so far. Winding up JBL with a big right hand. Oh, and a huge elbow right to the chest. JBL with another elbow. Going for the third one. A series of them there. You know, it's funny too, because I was watching back um, the old Monday Night Raws and, and whatnot from the 90s, right? And I started uh, with the Raw after WrestleMania 13. And to see JBL's progression 
I mean, I'll, let's go back before that. Let's go back to, to 96, man. Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And then becoming one half the Blackjacks. And then kind of lingering around a little bit after the Blackjacks. Hooking up with uh, Farouk to be the Acolytes, then the APA. And now this, JBL. What a progression that it took. It, what, eight years for him to, to finally come to his own? It takes people longer than others. Sometimes people just fall right into it. I mean, you can look at a guy like AJ Styles. It took him a long time. I feel that AJ Styles finally came into his own. Like, really, really came into his own and just showed that he got it. And, and when he won me over was 2013. And I'm not trying to trash anything he did before. Oh, God, what a vicious powerbomb by JBL. Just nasty, nasty powerbomb. Fanaki's just getting the crap beat out of him, man. I'm not crapping on uh, what AJ did before 2013. No clothesline from hell. That's got to be it there. It was over a long time ago, but the clothesline from hell is going to solidify it. But JBL's not knowing them. JBL's picking up Fanaki now. Going to bring him in. Oh, another clothesline from hell. A short clothesline from hell. And like there was any doubt there, one, two, three, JBL picking up the victory. And I think uh, he was uh, later on this month or... I think it was maybe in June, right? It was Great American Bash, I believe it was. That uh, JBL beat Eddie Guerrero for the WWE Championship. That was a fun little watch back. I, I love Velocity back in the day. I'm glad they're finally putting it on the network to watch. And just like that, Velocity's over too. Not a whole lot of you know smoke and mirrors on the episode. It was done. It was over. They played his music. JBL was walking to the back. That was that was it, man. You know, fade to black, right? That was it. That was fun. Um, I think we should do these a little bit more often here on the show. I I do enjoy doing them. It's just uh you know recently there's been a lot more you know heavy discussions, which is there's nothing wrong with that. I like doing heavy discussions, especially panel discussions, and I encourage that. But sometimes they go a little too long uh, for me to add more content to the shows. I don't like to make the shows typically too long. But that's just my own personal preference. I mean, why don't you guys let me know. How long do you think would be a good um, average length for for this podcast? Because I've always envisioned anywhere between 45 minutes into an hour. I know there's some podcasts out there that go three, four hours. I don't know if I would want to personally go three hours. I I probably feel a little bit comfortable going hour and a half, maybe two hours, depending on what kind of content we can produce out there. Obviously, if it's a longer show, too, I'll probably pick longer matches to do these retros with. And if I did longer matches, I'd probably invite you know some people to come on with me to do the watch-along so it's not just myself watching them. But anyway, you guys go ahead and let me know on Twitter um, at at ringscoops, uh, ringscoops at gmail.com, facebook.com slash ringscoops as well. Go ahead and let me know what you guys think. Um, what's, what would be a good average length for, for the podcast here? That's, uh, that's the big question right there. But uh, we're going to go ahead and... Uh, Take a quick break and hop on over to the next segment here on the Ring Scoops Podcast. I am the Webmaster Wade Needham. You are listening to the Ring Scoops Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the Ring Soups Podcast. I'm the webmaster, Wade Needham. Yeah. Hope you guys are having a good week. It's 
been, um, man, I'll tell you, one of the craziest things that I've read this week, one of the craziest things going on in the world of professional wrestling, I think, this week, and just in my opinion, is um, this thing with Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan, back in the news, right? This guy just won't leave. He just won't leave. He's not wanted. Nobody wants him around. You know? Pack your bag and leave, bro. Jeez. He's filed a lawsuit this week. Filed a lawsuit on September 24th here in California against three women in the um, the whole speaking out thing, right? Alleging that they used social media postings to defame him. That they hurt his ability to make money as a professional wrestler. With merchandise and, you know, social media and all that stuff. Trying to claim also that he, you know, he lost bar wrestling, his his promotion. He lost money through his Twitch channel and Cameo. And it's a pretty lengthy lawsuit, the details to it. Joey Ryan's trying to allege that the accusations have cost him uh, a monthly loss roughly around uh, $20,000 or so. Saying that he used to make about $500 a month from Cameo. $1,000 a month in merchandise. $1,000 a month in uh, subscription shares and whatnot from Twitch. Uh, trying to claim that he made about $1,500 a month from bar wrestling. Which is crazy. That if he Really? You're only making $1,500 a month from the promotion? As, as popular as it was? Oh, I guess that's from streaming on Twitch. I, I guess there's an additional two thousand dollars a month that he made from the actual events from the gate. Three thousand. He made more from his Patreon account apparently. Three thousand dollars a month from that, and then uh, anywhere between um, eight thousand and ten thousand per month in his bookings. And they lost the three venues that he did bar wrestling. Um, he had one at Baldwin Park, one in L.A., one in Pomona. And that he's lost a lot of social media followers because of that. And the details that he's adding in to this, right? Joey Ryan also trying to say that with his social media losses that that he was he was on a pace of a thousand new followers a month prior to the allegations being made public and whatnot, right? I'm not gonna name who the uh who the women are. I think uh, I think they've been identified enough. I don't want to. This isn't about them. This is about Joey Ryan right now, and how absurd, in my opinion, it is for this freaking lawsuit. Um, in the video that he put out, he pretty much said that he did a lot of those things, but then he he wrapped it all up into a nice little tight tightly knit little ball, a little present, and he said that it was all consensual and whatnot. Um, yeah, whatever, buddy. You know, whatever. I guess this lawsuit, they actually have specific quotes from, from tweets that are in this lawsuit and whatnot. Um, but then, in addition to this, right after that, Joey Ryan uh, filed a second lawsuit against um, some of the other women that came out against him as well. There's... Um, about 10 or 12 names listed in this one. And that the, the lawsuit alleges that the they intended to prevent uh, the plaintiff from earning any income through wrestling and destroy the credibility of his denial in his video that he put up. Remember he put that, was an hour, hour and a half video up two months ago back in July. I didn't watch the whole video. I, I skimmed through it, but I watched enough to know that the video was just completely full of shit. Joey Ryan is full of shit. Joey Ryan is a piece of shit. Any interactings that I've ever had with him, working in the world of professional wrestling, I, I worked uh, maybe a dozen shows with the guy. Uh, never liked him. He just I just got a bad vibe from the guy. Uh, the tone that he would take talking you know to me and other people that I've I've witnessed just didn't like it 
Um, just a creepy dude overall, in my opinion. I never saw him do any of the stuff that he's um, being accused of doing, obviously. You know, I'm not going to be riding in a car with him or spending a hotel room with a guy, you know. I never rode the road with him. I've heard some stories about the guy. Nothing of him doing what he's being accused of. But I do, I believe these women that have come out against him. I really do. There's a lot of speculation too going around that there may be a third lawsuit being filed by Joey Ryan. That the lawsuit will probably be against Impact Wrestling for breach of contract for releasing him and whatnot. I remember um, two months ago too, there was uh, a rumor going around and even they, even Jim Cornette touched up on this on his podcast too. There was a rumor going around that there was a clause in the contract with Impact Wrestling saying that Joey Ryan couldn't be fired for anything that he had done previously from signing with Impact Wrestling. And and if that is a legitimate clause that he had asked for, I, I question why he would want to ask for that. And if they agreed to it, and it's the language in the contract, I would I would very much question Impact for why they would even go along with it. If that is true, he, if he asked for that, that's a red flag, man, that there's something going on, right? Wouldn't that be a red flag, in your opinion? If you were going to hire somebody and they said, hey, look, um, I want to make sure that you can't fire me for anything that I did before today. Wouldn't you wonder and ask, well, what'd you do? Why would you say that? And then, of course, you would also wonder to yourself, do I really want to sign this guy now? Do I want to hire this guy? Something had to have happened for them to say, you know what, fuck it, we'll do it. So, eh, it is what it is. I think this uh, this lawsuit here with Joey Ryan is just, it's full of shit, just as much as he's full of shit. Um, I had a little Twitter exchange last night with my buddy Kristen. Actually, there's a couple people that had replied um, to my uh, my tweet about this, but I really, really thought it was funny about the uh, response I got from my buddy Kristen. Let me get, I'm scrolling through right now, trying to find it on Twitter. Um, let's see. So uh, he tweeted out, Kristen tweeted out, quote, I really hope Joey Ryan's accusers countersue him and take him for all he's worth. Um, I replied back. I said, well, that wouldn't be much if it was based on what he's worth. But uh, I do agree that, you know, I hope that they do fight the lawsuit with all their might. And, of course, Kristen re- replied back saying, uh, quote, fucking put him in debt and out on the streets for all I care. You know, that's, I, I'm i with him on that. I really am. And um, had a, uh, uh, an exchange with uh, Mega King Tommy Wilson as well. Me- Mega King had this to say about it on Twitter. Quote, I'd love to see his tax filings on the $20,000 a month he claims he's earning. The defendant's lawyer will definitely ask to see those. It would be pretty ironic if he landed in prison on tax fraud, end quote. And that's from Mega King Tommy Wilson. And uh, I made mention in my reply to that that taxes are what got Al Capone caught. And Mega King said, quote, I can't tell you how many guys thought they didn't have to earn wrestling earnings or report wrestling earnings on their taxes, end quote. I didn't know that you had, I mean, obviously I know after a certain point of income that you make, whether it's under the tail or not, I mean, you should report that, but I guess I didn't make that much money in my, my, my little wrestling career. Um, if you can even call it a career, you know what I mean? Obviously paid under the table, but it was scraps. I, I may, let's just say this. I made enough work in a show uh, I didn't have to, I technically got the WWE network for free and maybe a slice of pizza here and there. Not, I'm not saying I got paid with food or anything. I'm just saying I could afford, I can go to Sabaros and get a slice maybe two or three times a month and get free WWE network. That's how much money I made. I don't think that's enough to have to report it. Um, you know, nice little handshake will do buddy. That's, that's what I got. But that brings up an interesting point, though. That if he's saying, if Joey Ryan is saying that he was making $20,000 a month from all of this stuff, 
I mean, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Let me bring out the calculator. I know I should probably do this in my head that fast, right? Because it's a nice solid number, 20 times 12 pretty much, and then add the zeros. So this dude's making almost a quarter of a million dollars a year, right? I mean, yeah, you're going to have to pay some big taxes on that. That's a lot of money for what he's doing. I know that there are people out there like Ninja that's on Twitch that's probably making a lot more than that just for streaming, and he's got other endorsement deals and whatnot. But that, you know, you get to that much money that you're making a month, you, you have to, you know, like the whole tax thing is, is a big issue, right? Like recently Donald Trump, you know, his taxes came out, he paid $750 for his taxes, for income taxes and whatnot, which is the bullshit. But that's a different story and a different topic and a different argument, and different mindset that we'll talk about maybe on another day off of the Ring Scoops podcast. But Joey Ryan make $20,000 a month, man. I would love to see how much he was paying in taxes. If he's making that kind of money after taxes or not paying taxes, like Mega King pointed out, you know, imagine if this dude was doing tax fraud. I'm not saying that he is. I'm not trying to put that statement out there. I'm not trying to accuse him of that. I'm playing devil's advocate here. What if he gets nailed on that? It's another reason why he would be a scumbag. If it comes out, just imagine that. Just imagine that, right? And I know there's people out there, oh man, well, just why don't you imagine the positive side of things, man? Why don't you imagine his side? I don't want to. I don't like the guy. Fuck him. Fuck him, dude. Fuck Joey Ryan. Piece of shit. I'm hoping... That they do find him guilty in this lawsuit. And now that the Mega King has brought up the whole tax thing, I'm hoping that they find something with that. I'm I'm really am. I'm hoping that uh that they nab this dude on that. Cause just imagine find him guilty on the sexual abuse. Then you find out that he's, you know, tax fraud. <laughs> having the having the, the gall to even sue the accusers too. If he, if he is guilty on this, to have the balls to do that? Seriously, man, this guy makes me fucking sick. It's a parasite to the fucking wrestling business. I've said it since day one. I've never liked the guy. Never liked the fucking guy. And I'm not afraid to say I wrote a fucking piece on it. I wrote an academic paper on it as well once during my undergraduate studies about Joey Ryan and fandom and wrestling in the in the 2000s compared to what it was back before Web 2.0 came around. I have the article up on Ringscoops. If you want to check it out, go to ringscoops.com. Check out the archive posted in December 2017 if you want to check that out. But anyway, that's my thoughts on the Joey Ryan thing. I think the lawsuit is just bullshit. Um... There's just there's something up with this man. With I don't I, the nonverbals from the video that he put out in July, his nonverbals were screaming out a lot of things. You can pick up on that stuff if you have a trained eye to pick up on certain things like that. You can see it. You can hear it. Tone of voice, the pace in his voice, certain things with his eyes, eye movement. Facial expressions, body language, it's all there. Remember, you don't have to have just spoken word to tell somebody something. 93% of communication is done non-verbally. That's a lot. That is a lot. So in close, I say this. Fuck you, Joey Ryan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com, youtube.com slash ringscoops, anchor.fm slash ringscoops. If you would like to follow Ring Scoops on social media, it's Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, all with the same username, Ring Scoops. And also twitch.ringscoops.com if you want to check out some of the live Twitch feeds. Uh, the streams that we do, it's like Slam and Jam and whatnot. It's good stuff, man. And, uh, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops as well for all your RingScoops merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops. That's it for this episode of the RingScoops podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm that RingScoops guy saying thank you, good night, and be cool.